Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this 5th of August 2019. I'm your host, Real Gerald Quinn, discussing the world of sports and pop culture. As always, I am streaming live from my YouTube channel, Real Deal Podcast. Check it out anytime on um, various platforms uh, as far as this podcast, whether it be Stitcher, iTunes, uh, iTunes, Facebook, Instagram, uh, certainly will go. This podcast will go up on, on on YouTube anywhere from twenty to thirty minutes after after um, after uh, I'm really done streaming. Here we are here again on this fifth of August on a Monday, as we you know try to make sense or recover from a just uh, a tragic weekend to say the least in our country. And, you know, we're going to begin in Dayton as well as as in El Paso, which you had, as of now, 31 people dead, dead um, um, via shoot, via a mass shooting in both El Paso and Dayton. Uh, and this is something that, again, has become too prevalent in our society. This is something that has just become the norm with uh, in terms of uh, our country. Um, there was a time when, you know, we were consumed as a country with terrorism where, you know, especially after, especially before and after 9-11. Well, you know, you you go back since, and this, this it really started to me uh, in Columbine, Columbine back in 99, it, the majority of these shootings, the majority of the terrorism that's taken place has been domestic and from fellow and other Americans. And that's something that we as a society, just we as a country have to recognize, have to uh, face and have to deal with. And, you know, you look at this and to me, again, condolences and, and thoughts and prayers go out to all the families wounded, um, wounded or, um, or killed, of course. But that has been that to me is not enough. Just giving uh, thoughts and prayers and, you know, speaking, you know, giving the normal rhetoric, well, we guns, we need to ban guns or gun legislation or gun, the harder, stricter gun laws, the stuff that politicians are going to use for the next, to kind of push their campaigns as we head towards uh, 2020 with these elections, uh, with the with the general uh, presidential election. We need action. And the beauty of what I do, what I have, what I do every day, as far as you know, working in education, that have been now for a year, you know, for 18 years now, is I get a chance, I get to directly affect mental health uh, of young people, and that's to me where this begins. Um, the two, you know, the two assailants or the two shooters who chose to, you know, take the lives of 31 people, they didn't just become mentally unstable yesterday or last week or two years ago this started going back years even before you know even before high school before middle school you know this this be this type of behavior does not just just come out of nowhere and so to me it begins with education i look at where where we're at in society um you know i again i've been very fortunate to be a part of a uh, of of a program in regards to pro social that promotes accountability within within children that promotes 
communication, that promotes problem solving, that promotes dealing with yourself from the inside out, that promotes, you know, self-love. And, you know, when you talk about, you know, I read an article this weekend that uh, there were, you know, there there have been close to 10,000 preschoolers that have been expelled that have been expelled um, in our country over the last uh, over the last year or so. Ten thousand. Think about that for a second. So I'm looking at that. I'm saying there's no way that emphasis, that uh, there's an emphasis being put on mental health or uh, dealing with or dealing with behavior. How many you know? How many programs in schools are eliminating arts? So the, this to me, it, it starts with education. Uh, be, I mean, again, I'm, you may call me biased because I work in education, but again, I I know what a city looks like, a crime-ridden city looks like versus what, in terms of their performance, in terms of their performance, their school performances. You give me a city whose crime rate is high, I'm going to give you a city who has very, who has a poor, a poor education, um, poor school system. The two coincide. And again, very easy to look to talk about. You know, when you talk about gun laws and and when you talk about blaming, you know, I mean you had the president out there blaming video games and social media. Again, don't don't fall for the okie doke. I mean, I remember there was a time where you had you had people out there blaming rap videos and rap music for or or or, movie, or violence in movies for what for uh, for violent for uh, what people will go out and do in terms of killing and violence. No, all that you know those things all those things do is expose what's already within. If somebody listens to uh, I don't know somebody listens to a, a NWA CD or a stream at right at, up until this point. I'm sure nobody's listening to NWA tapes, you know, in 2019, and goes out there and, and you know kills a cop. There's something wrong with that person. It's not be, not because of the lyrics. So again, as a society and as a person, you. Can make all you can make the difference. You really can hold your politicians accountable for their policies or for what they for what they're gonna do about mental health awareness. For what they're gonna do about education in America. For what they're gonna do. What are their policies on gun violence, gun law, gun legislation? What is their record on that? I don't want to just hear about oh guns are bad or guns use uh, you know guns are. Or our gun law, our gun laws need to be tougher. Okay, how how are you going to make them tougher? What is your plan as a politician? And it's not just with the presidential candidates. You have to hold Congress, congressmen, council council people, judges, whoever is is, is running for any type of office accountable. And I see, you know, you see, you see the type of guns that were used by the uh, by the uh, two killers. 
And these are guns that, these are military guns. These are, these are guns with a military background. It took the guy from Dayton, uh, Connor Betts, one minute to kill nine people. One minute. The response time by the police actually was quick. I mean, it was within 30 to 40 seconds. I mean, it was quick. Luckily, you know, fortunately, it could have, I mean, more could have died if not the police would have got there as quick as they would have got there in Dayton. So that response time was, I mean, you can't have a faster response time. Same for Las Vegas. Response time by the authorities was quick. Again, we're not going. You're not going to win the war on guns. This is too. It's a billion dollar business, a multi billion dollar business. It's almost you almost have a bad chance of winning the war on drugs. And gun, well, maybe not, but it's a it's a losing battle in terms of winning the war on on guns or drugs. So you're looking to attack parts aspects of it. You're looking to you know limit access to certain weapons. But to me, I think when I think when I see things like this, I think education, I think mental health awareness. And those are two things in this country that are failing miserably, miserably as a whole. Our education system as a whole in this country is some shit as a whole. I mean, we don't be there was a time when when America was top five right now as a whole, as a country, we're, we're, out, we're not even top 15. So if you listen, if this if you want to do something as an individual, as a person, if you have kids, you're teaching them about love, you're teaching them about, you know, you're teaching them to love themselves. Because, you know, a lot of these most of these most of these killers, most of these killers are people who are socially awkward, socially awkward, who for the better part don't have friends, who the better part don't have Social skills, for the better part, hate themselves. Hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. But hold, again, the problem with this, you know, we'll talk about this for a couple of days, maybe a Maybe because of the uh, 2020 election, maybe it goes a week. Then we'll move on to the next thing, or to the next Trump tweet, or to the next, you know, uh, Twitter beef. So this is something that has to be dealt with uh, from a public education standpoint from a mental health mental health awareness uh, standpoint and the idea I heard somebody say that you know mental health you can't you know what I mean you shouldn't attribute this to mental health you don't think that 
someone who kills people without a blink of an eye has mental health has you know uh, mental health issues. And it goes beyond. We know about we we understand the idea of racism and white supremacy. That goes it goes beyond that. For someone to kill it to kill thirty one people, two people to kill thirty one people, and attempt to kill even more, you there's something that's not right with you. It goes beyond being a racist or even being a white supremacist. It goes be beyond that. So, again, hate to start, you know, I hate to discuss this to, I don't hate to discuss, I actually, I hate to discuss this to start the program, start the podcast off, but it is something that uh, just had to be, um, had to be, uh, had to be talked about, had to be discussed, and had to be addressed, addressed, and again, if you're in education, you're in education, you have, you're at the forefront of this fight, you probably have as big as, impact on this fight than anyone if you're in education. Forty seven minutes after the seven o'clock hour on this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast. Of course we um there was a lot of talk as we you know try to segue do do my best to segue to into um sports. Um Carmelo Anthony came out uh, last week, and you know, on uh, the first take, and publicly spoke for the first time about, for the first time in a long time, about his situation and about trying to get back in the league, and basically, you know, basically was begging to get back in the league, and you know, chomping at the bit to get back in the league. Um, I here's what I'll say: I think that one, I think Carmelo Anthony's playing days in the NBA are done. Um, I don't see a place for Carmelo Anthony in the NBA, and there are a number of reasons. One, you know, scoring in the NBA has gone up. Okay, after them, probably, you know, there are probably more dynamic offensive players than there has been in in the last twenty twenty five years. You have a number of guys that can put the that can score. Uh, and you have even guys on bad teams that score. So you look at what teams need. Teams need guys who can defend, who can defend multiple positions. You need guys that can defend threes, twos, threes, and undersized fours. You need guys that can that can knock down three point shots. Three. That's why three three and D guys are you know are invaluable. To a franchise, uh, that's why a guy like Danny Green will be in the league for forever. That's why a guy like Bruce Bowen was able to stay in the league for a long time, despite not having not despite not having a ton of talent, but he was a top a top defensive player and was able to make a, a corner three point shot. Even a guy like Tony Allen, who was a terrible offensive player, that guy could lock down, you know, twos, threes, and size four. He was a he was a great, great on the ball defensive player, and who didn't care about who could care less about scoring. Could absolutely care less about scoring. Look where Carmelo Anthony's at right now in his career. Carmelo Anthony is not a great is not a good three point shooter. Carmelo Anthony is a guy that 
needs a lot of, needs a lot of shots to score. Carmelo Anthony is a is a subpar, and that's putting it kind defensive defensive player. So, to me, I'm like, I'm, and Carmelo Carmelo Anthony is a guy who I'm not paying to see Carmelo Anthony uh, on a bad team. Like I'm like he's not putting the asses in seats. You can't even you couldn't even sell him as a sideshow. Now maybe he can go over he can go overseas and score like sixty or seventy. I mean if Jimmy Fredette Jimmy Fredette could average forty or fifty in the overseas, you know, I, you know Carmelo could could do that over in China or somewhere. Not in the NBA. And I'm thinking about, you know, the word blackballed and that was you know, that's we or or this conspiracy, the so called conspiracy to keep Carmelo Anthony out of the league. And I'm like, why? Why why would it why would why would and why would anyone want Carmelo Anthony or care that much that Carmelo Anthony was not in the NBA in the NBA? You tell me that Mike D'Antoni has that much pull to where other coaches are listening to him and saying, you know, a guy who's never been to the NBA finals, hasn't won a championship. You tell me other other organizations are listening to Mike Dan or are taking Mike D'Antoni's if he if, if Mike D'Antoni's putting that in putting it out there, let's assume for argument's sake that he's you know that he's shitting on Carmelo Anthony's name. I don't. I don't think Mike D'Antoni. I never. I don't. I know Mike D'Antoni doesn't. Is not that that respected to a point to where if a guy, if a team felt like Carmelo Anthony could help them, that Mike D'Antoni's words or thoughts are going to keep him out the league. Again, there's no reason. There's no reason whatsoever that that the NBA would blackball Carmelo Anthony from playing basketball when Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds last season, he was about 41, 42 years old. He actually had, you know, the year he actually the year he broke the uh, all-time home run record. He actually had 26 home runs that year, and probably had another, could have had another two or three years, minimum two years where he could have played baseball. His contract was up after 2007, and after that, no one wanted to deal with everything that came with Barry Bonds as far as the scrutiny. Uh, with the steroid, with, you know, with the steroid use, with that, with that type of attention, that type of energy, no one wanted to deal with that. So that was understandable. And 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 again, he was forty-one. He was what about forty-two years old. So people, so people were like, you know what, we're good. San Francisco was was had moved on from that. They rebuilt the team, ended up winning some championships, and kept it moving. So I can understand Barry Bonds not getting a chance, despite being being a productive player. Uh, moving forward, I'm looking at Carmelo Anthony. I'm just saying, I, I just don't see why a franchise would sign him. I just don't see why a franchise would sign him. To me, it makes more sense not to sign him than it does to sign him. To uh, to sign him. So again, I don't think Carmelo Anthony is getting back in the NBA. I don't see the place for him. Um, a contender again, a contenders need guys that can do that. That you know, contenders need guys who are willing to uh, do little, do the intangible things, um, 
contenders need players that are willing that can guard multiple put multiple positions. You know, look at you know, look who you know just signed a four year hundred million dollar extension, Draymond Green. Draymond Green is is a bad is a horrible shooter. He's a terrible shooter. He doesn't shoot mid range, he doesn't shoot threes well. But Draymond Green is an elite defensive player, playmaker that does not that will do all the dirty work. Does not care about diving on the floor, guarding the other team's best player, top players, perimeter wise, guarding, you know, getting knocked around in the post. Or you had to be a high energy, high motor guy. Montrez Harrell for that for that instance, uh, for example. Or what Kendrick Fareed used to be. Kenneth, excuse me, uh, Kenneth Fareed used to be. It's not that's not Carmelo. Any. Carmelo's thirty four, about to be thirty five. I mean, thirty five, thirty six. He's not a high motor. Not, he's never been a high motor guy. I mean, that's never been his, his game per se. Never been a high energy that type of player anyway. Because again, I, I just don't see any reason why a team would sign him. Again, I don't think I, I don't think he's being blackballed. I don't I don't think I just there's just not a place for him right now in 2019. And he's a, and he's an aging player on top of that. And again, this is not it's not just the NBA. This it's his own, you know, friends like. None of his friends, whether it's Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade, or LeBron, LeBron James, none of them have reached out to Carmelo in terms of signing him, in terms of putting, getting him on a team. That should tell you something. I mean, LeBron James has had multiple opportunities to uh, to get Carmelo to uh, to get uh, to get have Carmelo signed. I don't think Carmelo's not going to be a Laker this year. I would be shocked. If, it, if he was, it would have happened already. The Lakers have one open open roster spot left. They're not signing that. I mean, if it was going to happen, they would it would do it right now. They would do it today. What would they be waiting for? It's not a matter of contract negotiating the contract. He's going to get. He's going to sign for the minimum. He does. I don't even think he cares about the money at this standpoint. He's made a ton of money. He's a you know, he's a good businessman. He's made. Not a, a number of endorsements. He's fine with money. I don't think he's worried about another paycheck. He really—I mean—he's not going to get another big paycheck. But I don't even think he cares about that at this point. And I'm hey, listen. I don't necessarily knock Carmelo Anthony. I don't think Carmelo Anthony necessarily did anything wrong. I just don't think he—he's never been. An intangible. He's never been a player that was built on intangibles. He's never been a player that was, uh, you know, was a could defend multiple positions. He's never been a great three point shooter. Doesn't have. He does not have the necessary skill set to hang around the NBA. He doesn't. I mean, Vince Carter, you know, I know, he's, you know Vince Carter was, you know, was willing to just be happy with being on a roster. Like he didn't care about, and and didn't, and you know, you want to look at Vince Carter. Vince Carter has been. When's the, when's the last time Vince Carter played on a relevant team? 
what the two, 2014 with uh excuse me with um Dallas years back when they almost uh when they almost uh took out San Antonio in the first round of the playoffs like Vince Carter's been on a number of just awful teams that just don't matter in terms of being contenders or even making the playoffs for that matter and again Vince Carter Vince Carter's a guy that's going to do hey whatever it takes for me to have a roster spot Vince Carter's going to do that with no problem I don't care if I play I might have Eight straight DMPs. I might play twenty minutes for a particular game, two straight weeks. He's gonna do whatever it takes just to be on the roster. And let's not again. And one thing that has kind of been overlooked. Let's not pretend like Carmelo Anthony didn't get a chance with Oklahoma City. He didn't get an opportunity with Houston. His reputation coming out of New York. Once that whole, once he was done, once, once his career with the Knicks was done, his reputation wasn't the greatest coming out of that, coming out of that situation. Oklahoma City and Houston gave him opportunities and it didn't work out. So I think that, again, I think his career, I think, you know, his career is done. I, you know, the whole, I, again, I know that he denies about saying anything about farewell tour. Yeah, listen, he, he's not on that level of, 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 of stardom, of NBA stardom where he, where we need to say goodbye to Carmelo Anthony. We don't. I, I mean, the game, trust me, the game will move on without Carmelo Anthony. NBA doesn't need Carmelo Anthony. It just doesn't. I mean, Carmelo Anthony is going to the Hall of Fame as well as he should. He's a first battle Hall of Famer. He, he you know. 10-time All-Star, you know, one number of gold, three gold medals, uh, 25,000 points. So his his legacy as far as, his legacy is the fact that he's a Hall of Famer. His legacy is the fact that he's a Hall of that, that is his legacy. But again, I, I the one thing about Carmelo, I've never been someone who has unfairly judged Carmelo as in, as in relation to the draft class that he came in with. I've never put him on the LeBron James, Dwayne Wade level. He's not not on their level, to be honest with you. Think about LeBron James. He's not even on Dwayne Wade's level. I mean, Dwayne Wade was the best player on a team that won a championship and was the finals MVP. I mean, I think, listen, I, I think Carmelo... Right, falls under the, the category of Hall of Famer, um, franchise player in terms of a guy who you could make the playoffs with as your best player, but was never going to lead you, was never going to be the guy, the guy on the, the best player on the team that could win a championship. Maybe in his prime, he could be, he could have been the second best guy on a team that could win a championship, but he was never going to be the guy uh, that could, you know, that can push your franchise uh, that you can win, that you can get to the finals to get to the finals with or win a championship with. And those guys are few and far between. Those are rare players. Like those guys just don't, most of the majority of those guys just don't exist. So if his, if his last game was with 
the Houston Rockets, and you know, it was it was a hell of a career. Listen, I don't take anything away from what Carmelo has accomplished. He's a, he's a national championship championship player in college as a freshman. He was the best player in the country that year, minus LeBron James uh, coming out of high school, but the best player in the country in college basketball that year by far. Not even close. By far, he was the best player in college basketball. Even a better, even better than, than Dwayne Wade that year. As good as Wade was. Carmelo Anthony was by far and away the best player in 2003. Led Syracuse to a championship as a freshman. Came into the NBA and was the best player on team on two, on two teams that made the playoffs. Whether Denver as a Denver Nugget and as a early on in his New York Knicks career. The state that Carmelo Anthony made and maybe he regrets it, maybe he doesn't, is he had an opportunity to, to choose winning over money and still get paid, and he chose money. He could have been the third wheel on uh, the Miami Heat in 2010 instead of Chris Bosh. He chose to sign a long-term contract, and that set the tone for basically the rest of his career as far as chasing the money. So he chose money over winning. Um, playing again, his career might look a lot different as you know the third or possibly who knows third or second best player on on a Miami team that could have, that would have been competing for championships. So I don't know if he regrets that, but that's the one thing. If you want to knock Carmelo Anthony for anything. You can certainly knock him because he should have and could have. He could have and should have been that third wheel on that Miami team. There's no quite no two ways about it. And again, that money that he took, he would have. He could have easily made that up. Winning, being being part of a championship team would have made that up alone in terms of just even that much that much more endorsements. And again, this is a smart. This is, this is a, he, Carmelo's a smart guy when it comes to business and investments and things of that nature. You know, he's, he, you will not be reading about Carmelo Anthony going broke in the next five or ten years. That's not going to happen. But he chose money. Chose the money. So you know, staying with the NBA, uh, you had David Griffin coming out last weekend about. Comments about LeBron in a Sports Illustrated article. Um, David Griffin missed the opportunity to really make a insightful and a, uh, just a, a tremendous point in regards to results and versus process versus results. So the article basically was supposed to be about David Griffin. You know, in his transition now to being a, uh, you know, being back in the mix as far as running a team and, you know, his struggles and some of his tribulations in regards to, you know, his wife, with his wife. And it was supposed to be a nice, feel-good piece uh, from that standpoint. But he, he decided to invoke the name of LeBron James. And anytime you invoke the name of LeBron James in anything you talk about or tweet, that's that's what's going to be. That's what we're going to talk about. That's what that's you know wherever quotes are made, those, those are those things are going to stand out beyond what the what the article was initially supposed to be about. I thought David Griffin made 
like I said, a tremendous point in regards to being about being consumed with the finish and results versus the process and the journey. Like he said, he was basically miserable because of it was championship, everything, every year with LeBron James was championship, 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 championship versus him wanting to build a team, develop talent, draft who he wanted to draft, trade for who he wanted to trade for. Now, David Griffin could have made that point without even without throwing LeBron James, you know, under a bus. When you come out and say something like, when you come out and say that, uh, make a statement, when LeBron James gets all the credit, even if it's like, even the statement LeBron James gets all the credit and none of the blame, that's what we're going to talk about. That's what's going to stand out. Um, I think they, you know, I think David Griffin, I think there's something to be said to, you know, LeBron, LeBron James commanding a lot of attention. LeBron James commands a lot of perks. He commands, um, he commands, you know, your organization as a whole. But at the end of the day, he wins. And, you know, it, you know, somebody from the outside in will look at that and think David Griffin rather lose and build a team rather than having LeBron James and winning and winning one championship and going to four straight finals. So, or three straight finals. I don't, I don't think Griffin was there the last but he was there last season. LeBron's 2018 season, um, when Kyrie wasn't there. But the the point is, Griffin, again, Griffin had an opportunity. He wasted an opportunity to really, uh, to really push something that doesn't get talked about enough in regards to process versus results. And it's something that I, something that me personally, I've tried to invoke in my life, even with this podcast, not getting consumed by subscribers or views and not being, not just, you know, hey, if I only got, if I got, if I get 10,000 views, then what? Or if I get, you know, because what happened is you'll never get, you'll never be satisfied. You'll never be, you know, 10, even if you get 10,000, cool. Then you'll be like, well, what about 15,000? Well, what about 20,000? What about 50,000? What about 100? It'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. That's why you have to enjoy. I just enjoy creating content. And if you mess with it, you do. If you don't, you don't. Because you'll never be satisfied. It's like chasing. It's like, it's like, it's like being obsessed with money. There's always going to be somebody with more money than you. So I understand totally where he was coming from, from the standpoint of, you know, the just the consumption of or that expectation of a championship took away, took away his love 
of the, you know, of wanting to put together a team, wanting to build a team, wanting to, you know, draft and develop talent. Because general, general managers, yes, they want to win, but they general managers are builders. They like to, they, they love to build. Like David Griffin is in heaven right now. He has a team, he has a bunch of, he has a young, hopefully a young budding star that he can develop, a bunch of young pieces, a number of draft picks. He, <coughs> excuse me, he um, has the ability to, this is his, this is his palette. This is, this all, this has, New Orleans has all his fingerprints written all over it. He can build, he can do this his way. When he was in Cleveland, it, it had to be LeBron's way or Dan Gilbert's way. But there was a way for him not to throw LeBron James, just, you know, make it seem as though as, you know, every make it seem that though you weren't blessed to have a player to be general manager or vice president and have a player like LeBron, LeBron James, a once in a generation player, you know, maybe a, a once in a lifetime type player on your within your franchise, on your on your team. And it was a little theatrical as well. Like when he found out that LeBron was returning to Cleveland, like crying on you know, dropping to his knees and crying, like, eh, that's, a, that's a little extra. Come on, man. It's a little Little on the extra side, little on the on the dramatic side, right there. You're gonna cry because of the, the pressure that you foresee coming with one with winning a championship. Like, oh, yeah, my, my goodness! You know what would make me cry? Losing sixty games a year and constantly being and constantly <laughs> having lottery picks and looking up and seeing nobody nobody in the stands. That would make that that would have me on my knees crying. Losing, losing, you know, that would be, you know, Pat Raleigh once said, there's winning and there's misery. I'll take winning over misery. We talked about the uh, Draymond Green signing, signing for $100 million. Uh, perfect deal for both parties. I don't think Draymond Green was getting... Moore was getting $25 million a year on the open market. Even only, now keep in mind, it only takes one team, only takes one team to uh, go out there and give them that amount of money. But I just don't believe that, I don't think that Draymond Green, uh, I don't think another team would have given that type of money. I just don't. Um, with that being, the flip side is, uh, if he left, if he would have left Golden State, they couldn't replace him. Uh, for what he does for that team, they're not two, three players that could do what he does for that team. That would be willing to to sacrifice offensively and to do all the things that he does around the league. So it made it was a perfect fit for both parties. Uh, Green finishing basically his his prime years with Golden State. Golden State will be a threat. I don't think they're going to win a championship next year, but they if Clay Thompson comes back. 85 to 90 percent of what he is, I would not want to see that team in the first round of a playoff series. I just wouldn't. They have championship culture. 
They have a, you know that structure already in place. They know how to win. That that team, Clay uh, Thompson coming back healthy would be is a scary. They would be a scary out for any for the Clippers, for the Lakers, for any of those teams on top Denver, Utah, whoever or the top team, whoever will be the top teams in the Western Conference. They also have the ability to flip D'Angelo Russell if they want to. So I think that I I would predict that within the next three years that Golden State wins a title in the next three in the next three years. I think Steph Curry will get one more championship. I really that's how much I think about think of their franchise that they will be able to put the necessary pieces around their core. You have now Thompson, Curry, and uh Draymond Green locked up for the for the uh, foreseeable future. They'll find another piece or or two to put around those guys and they'll be right back in the mix um sooner sooner than later as far as uh, winning a chair contending or impossibly winning a championship. Uh also the other extension, the other major um contract extension signed was by one Tom Brady. Again, NFL contracts you really really have to, you know, look deep into an NFL contract as far as uh defined print. Um it comes out first you saw saw I saw two years forty one million, then I saw two years seventy million. In essence, this is a one year twenty three million dollar contract for Tom Brady. He will be a free agent again in twenty twenty. And again, you can't you the one thing again I hate I hate New England with a passion. I hate the Patriots, but the bottom line is they have a guy on their team, a quarterback, who has had the opportunity to be the highest-paid player, the highest-paid quarterback in the league three, two, two to three, maybe three or four times in his career, and he's passed up on every single one of them for the better part of the for the, the, the uh, better part of the team. New England's going to have five and a half million dollars of cap, of, of, uh, more additional cap space, so they can you can do a lot. You can get you can get a starting player with that amount of money um, add to the offensive line or whoever they want to get with that money. You have a guy who, again, could have could have destroyed this team's salary cap a number of times. All these top quarterbacks on his that are even, that are even close to Tom Brady are, are either the highest-paid players in the league or amongst the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league. He has chosen, again, to take – Team friendly deals, he gets an eight million dollar raise. But you know, again, it doesn't hurt when your wife when your wife is worth in excess of four hundred eighty eight million dollars. But even with that said, he still could have took more money. So you can knock the Patriots all you want, you can complain, you can whine, bitch and moan, but the guy wants to win, and it's looking more and more likely. And I thought this. I thought when he's when this came out a couple of years ago about him possibly playing the forty-five that it was a just an absolute pipe dream. Well, he just turned forty-two and it's coming off a year where he was still a Pro Bowl caliber, above-average quarterback. Again, it can end quick when these guys falling off a cliff physically or just from a skill standpoint. But as of right now, there's no end in sight to uh, to uh, Tom Brady and the rest of the uh, New England Patriot um, dynasty. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. As always, you can find this podcast on uh, my YouTube channel, Real Deal Podcast, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Apple, iTunes.Apple.com, Blog Talk Radio later on this evening, and a multitude of other platforms. I'll be posting on Instagram and uh, Instagram and Facebook and also Twitter. 
This is the Real Deal Podcast, telling it like it is, with no apologies.